I'm not pulling my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another Drive to Work at Home Edition. Well, today I have Dave Humphreys, the lead set designer of March of the Machine, and we're going to talk all about the set design. So, hey, Dave. Hi, everyone. Okay, so the story picks up. So Vision Design has finished. Um, we handed off... Um, let's see. Let, let's walk through the elements of the set. So... We had a version of backup. We called it Boost at the time. That was handed off. We had Convoke in the set. We had Incubate that we called Cocoon at the time. Um, we had the Transforming Double Face cards. Uh, we had a bunch of suggestions for Praetors, one of which was the Sagas, but we gave you a bunch of suggestions. And then we had something that wasn't in all battles. We had um, double-sided lands that you played the land and then you transformed it. And then the backside had a plane as a... Uh, it's subtype. It's a land with a subtype plane. Um, so anyway, let's 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 start with that. So we gave you something. Every plane had its own land, and then the backside it had a land, you know plane as a subtype. But that wasn't working. So let's talk about how you took that and made it into battles. Yeah. So the, the focus of a lot of our early meetings were just yeah, kind of us sitting in a room brainstorming how how we might try to do that in other ways. Um, like we, we, yeah, like I feel like everyone on my team contributed little pieces to that. And then like Ari ultimately kind of drew all those pieces together. And she came, she came up with like, you know, Nagle, Ken Nagel suggested that, you know, maybe the, these are attackable things and maybe a little bit like yeah, planeswalkers. And I think Jadine had suggested like that, that, that they, right. That they could be transforming DFCs where like the backs could be a whole bunch of different things on the back to give us some variety of expressions of things. Um, and like, but yeah, ultimately I think Ari kind of like pieced together all the little suggestions and ideas. And yeah, we, we ended up really with what pretty much became the final thing. I mean, there are a lot of like little details that we ironed out later, but that, it, yeah, like that, I think even at that point, we knew like we, we we wanted these to be a little bit like planeswalkers, or at least in my mind, we we very much wanted them to, or I wanted them to behave like planeswalkers. So if you knew how that card type worked, then you could sort of know how these would work in terms of like you'd block for them the same ways, and their their loyalty counters could be like reduced over a number of turns in the same way that a planeswalker could, and just aligning it with that, and then. I talked with creative about, um, right? Like, you know, what does this actually represent? I mean, we, we did still want to keep keep the like, right? The, the vision handoff was very much about showing like a plane on each card. And we still wanted to show that where each of these battles would be showing a plane and that we, we agreed that each of the cards, um, right? Like, I guess that was later, but yeah, we, we agreed that each of the cards would have the plane name in it when we switched them to battles um, to, yeah, to keep that going. The, the, the back would represent some key aspect of what was going on in the story if there was a story for the plane. And if not, that like, yeah, we'd, we'd be trying to show something that was cool or iconic to the plane or indicative of what, what could be going on there or what was at stake um, for the plane. Yeah, one of the things that's really fun about the battles is the variety of what the backs are. You know, that you, yeah. some are permanent, some are spells, some are legendary creatures. You know, I think you guys tried really hard to like, be as flavorful as you could so that each, uh, it really spoke of the world that you were doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think, right. I mean, it, it did mean things got a little bit more complicated in terms of how we executed, but I, I definitely like, 
all through the process were like, you know, Arcavius um, and, and talking about, yes, like Strixhaven in general, um, right? Like we, we knew that that really wanted to be on a, a spell, like an instant or sorcery on the back, given like how people were really, you know, that that was like indicative of that world. And I had also latched on to like, I, I think I like the idea of Alara being sort of like casting like an ultimate ultimatum of ultimatums. And like we, you know, at some point we also like, oh, it would be really cool if Teferi was on the back. So we, we, we knew we wanted to go with a variety of things, um, and yeah, like I, I think that that helps helps them all kind of be unique and play in different ways, and also just helped us express each plane better in terms of what is iconic about iconic and memorable and and fun about that plane. Yeah, and, and it's cool. I mean, not every plane necessarily ties into the story because there wasn't. It wasn't as if the story told exact things of every every thirty six you know, all the thirty six planes, um, but where there were story moments that mattered. Like uh, my example is on Innistrad, the zombies end up being an important part of why they're able to to win because the zombies can't be Frexenized. So when you guys did Innistrad, the back represents zombies because you're trying to say this was an important part of winning the battle. Right. Yeah. Like. It, yeah. Is is sort of the this the world building lead like Emily definitely had certain suggestions like uh, you know I'd really like to see yeah zombies on the back of Innistrad was definitely a very specific creative ask and then, like similarly there are things like it would be really nice if we had fairies on the back of Eldraine if I remember right and th there were there were definitely other asks like a Farah like it was important that like a Farah be on the back of Theros in terms of one of the key gods able to resist um, what was going on so yeah there there were. Yeah, there, there were definitely some some specific story asks, and then there were some like, you know, right, I, I was digging through all the old plane chase cards to find, like, this plane sounds like it could be the blue-green plane, and this one <laughs> could maybe be the green-white plane, and, like, right, there was no there was no story for those, right? It was just, like, mostly, most, most me, mostly me looking at cards and, like, oh, this mechanically speaks to these colors, um, right? Because the, the, the planes in plane chase don't have um, colors, but it's, like, what, what mechanically does this plane seem like it's trying to do or what is this world like from what little we know about the world what does it feel like it it might represent in terms of colors like you know i, I think we did very much try to cho choose colors for each of the planes that most felt like um those planes yeah and you're there so there's 36 planes and one of the challenging things was there just aren't 36 well-known planes you know you you had to dig deep and so it's fun I'm doing a series of articles where I actually go in detail and talk about, like, some of the planes are pretty obscure, and I, I talk a little bit about where they came from. and um, But it's a lot of fun sort of seeing what you guys did of, of finding, you know, what's the cool way to execute. And one of the things I've talked about in my, my podcast on the design, I always talk about how the lens of the design was the planes, and that these do a really good job of showing you the personality of the planes in a way that I think is was key to the set. Um, and... In, they're one per pack. That's another thing. Do you want to talk a little bit about, like, we you, you've done this in a couple different sets. What are the challenges of trying to do something one per pack? Um, I mean, ultimately, it's not it's not super hard. I mean, I, like, again, yeah, I felt like that was, right, this is in many ways the most important aspect of the set. It's this new new KSP and... Um, like ultimately it does mean like the, the structure gets a little bit rigid like you like you know i, I want to make sure that these are balanced between the colors that they're balanced um with the color pairs um i mean i, I guess that's mostly the thing is like that you you kind of need to feel like it's like all right well I, I like i really need to find another like white 
battle that I can show or, you know, like in need to find another, like after that, I'd like, oh, I, we still need another white battle. So a lot of it's just like there, there definitely ends up being a bit of a grid that you want to fill out. But I mean, that's that's not so different than like what a, a lot of other sets might be. But it's just like I, I if it, they're going to be one per pack, like in this case, um, I, I at least for this type of mechanic, I wanted them to be pretty balanced. Like we, we've definitely done one per pack things that aren't balanced in that way. I think like, you know, like original Innistrad in terms of DSCs, if I remember right and stuff. But um, this this felt like something we didn't want to have be focused in any particular colors. Like we, we did have rewards for transforming in blue and green, but I wanted all the colors to get pretty equal access to battles here. Okay, so let's, um, I'm, I'm gonna start talking more about the Frexian side and then we'll get to the, the non-Frexian side. So we wanted to represent a bunch of things. So um, as we're talking about battles, we had double face cards. And, and I think that started cause we were trying to figure out how to show the Phyrexians invading, right? And the, their whole shtick is they turn you into them. Um, so when we handed over, you you had, we gave you DFCs where the front side was an iconic creature from a world and the back side was the Phyrexian version. But talk a little bit about what, what were the challenges of making those, of making the Phyrexian DFCs? Yeah, I, I mean, I think one of the bigger challenges was just like how we express, like, so we, we put on, on the front of all those, other than the Praetors, we put on, the front of all those cards, uh, Phyrexian mana to transform. I mean, I, I, I mean, I forget how involved exactly in that was, but I, I, I thought it would be really fun to do Phyrexian mana here. Um, and like, I, I didn't want it to be in the mana cost because we know how like that can be problematic in terms of balance. And but like, just if you if you've already had to pay colored mana to play a card, and then you, you use Phyrexian mana to transform it, we can we can balance for the fact that often you won't actually end up needing to spend the mana. Um, and I, I felt like that was a fun callback and a fun like way to relate that these are becoming Phyrexianized. Um, but th but then we we, we did want to have a nod to that mana requirement. Like if you're spending like red Phyrexian mana, we wanted the card to feel more red on the back. And like, but but it wasn't you know, none of those. All of those costs are different than the the cost to actually cast them. So if it's like a white card that's um, using red Phyrexian mana, we wanted the back of the card to feel red. We we did we we in that process we kind of also wanted it to be a little bit, a little bit like feeling like a little bit odd or a little bit color bending like in, in ways that felt like a little bit off and that that would also represent kind of like that there was an extreme transformation with the phyrexianization. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was tricky to do that bending in a way that wasn't going yeah too too far right that like. Oh well, like right, like we have a, like a green creature, like what Plukronos gets lifelink. It's like well, green doesn't get lifelink, but I mean green does get life gain in plenty of ways to gain life, and so that right that 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 felt inbounds and and trying to find what felt inbounds and like almost a little bit transgressive because of what was happen happening with the setting just felt actually appropriate. But then like yeah, not not going too far. <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, yeah. I remember the the console callers looked at all of them, and we definitely had discussions about like we knew we wanted bends, but right, right, things that weren't going too far. And I thought you guys did a good job of finding things that sort of like lifelink on Pelucanos is a great example where look, we don't want green having lifelink, but that's more about separating white from green than it's about well, green gaining life is problematic for green. Green can gain life, so. 
but yeah, I mean, otherwise, you know, mechanically we were doing something a little bit like, you know, monstrosity or monstrous, like, and like, it's a mana sync mechanic and it, it like we, we knew all that sort of stuff would play pretty well and like we'd done it before what even with like kind of like werewolves and i think eldritch moon so like mm-hmm. it, it was a bit of a known quantity and uh, otherwise it, it, it we, i had confidence i guess at least in executing on that gameplay okay well you you also brought up the um praetors so we did an interesting thing and this happens sometimes in vision where we knew we wanted the Praetors, but we didn't quite know how you wanted to do them. So we just gave you a whole bunch of suggestions. I, I think, like, there are at least five in the handoff, the, the vision design handoff. Um, how did you guys end up choosing to do the one you did? Yeah, I'm not sure I remember all the details, but, I, like, I felt like we just, I felt like we needed to do kind of one of the more, I don't know, extravagant versions of, like, whatever was handed off. I think Sagas just felt like the most novel i mean i feel like we we did such a good job with the previous two cycles of praetors i felt like, like the the bar for us to clear as designers i felt was pretty high um and like yeah a lot of the the most recent praetors are seen play and popular cards already so I, I felt like we just we we wanted to be doing something pretty different right like the, those had all done the like make my things better your things worse like i, I just felt like there was no way we were going to be able to execute on that like style of thing again um in a, in a better way so just wanted to do something different someone yeah again someone i think yeah, had pitched the sagas on the back i felt um right that that that, that would just be a much very different thing and just con- conceptually i felt like it could also just be like right like what is seeing some glimpse of like if if the you know if the praetors are successful here what is like what is their ultimate plan? What like what happens if they win? Um, and I, I felt like that could be told pretty well on the on the backsides of them with sagas, and then uh, otherwise from a kind of a balance and tackling the card designs. Like I, I saw, I wanted these to be a little bit like ultimates. Like if you like, there would there'd be some kind of relatively hard hurdle to get through, and that like it, it would be a hurdle that you'd mostly only be able to do if maybe your praetor had been out for a little while, and that. Well, if your Praetor's been out a while and your opponent hasn't dealt with it, like maybe maybe it's already winning anyways. But like I, I you know, like I likened it to Ultimates on Planeswalkers, where if you can, if you have this card out and it's not dealt with, and somehow the game's not ending, we're gonna we're gonna give you a different way to end the game. And like that was like, all right, we're we're just gonna do really preposterous, over the top effects on the backs um, of these cards on Sagas. Um, and like again, you have to put yourself a little bit at risk because they're becoming like enchantments. It could maybe be disenchanted. So we like yeah, we, we wanted to just put in really, you know, like it, there it is something to be giving up your creature. We wanted to make sure like oh like the back of these are really that enticing and appealing. And like in fact, even if you go through the whole saga and you still haven't won, we're like all right, well we're gonna even let you go back to the front again, which is not where we had started, but something just from internally pulling people or like some pe- people were sad that the saga ends and it's like, where did my Praetor go? This is like their moment of victory. And then like, it's just gone. So it's like, well, like given that we already expect these to mostly be winning the games, we're just going to let you, yeah, we'll, we'll let you keep the Praetor. Yeah. That was one change that you guys made in set design. The original versions we did, you had the Praetor, they told the saga and then it just went away. And, and you were like, nah, let's, let's bring them back. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, also on the Frexian side, which, and also uses DFCs, is Incubate. Um, so I, we handed off Incubate. I think the way we handed off is not super far from where it ended up, but what were the challenges of trying to make Incubate happen? 
Yeah, I mean, well, some of them were just even a little bit in the rules. I know there there was like sort of a, a period of time where it's like, well, the rules don't really support this, and can, can we even do this? And um, I mean, again, I feel like a lot of those things, if if we're confident enough in our vision, rules will figure out ways to make them happen, and, and as well digital. But um, yeah, I mean, the, like one of the hard decisions for us was just whether you could transform them at an instant speed or sorcery speed. There was like a lot of debate on that throughout the process. Like I felt. Like the again the the cards we talked about earlier that are transforming into Phyrexians, like those are pretty complicated cards, right? They have two card faces. They do like they do powerful, unusual things on the backs of the cards. Whereas like these are so so we wanted those to be at sorcery speed, just so there weren't too many surprises, or you like you wouldn't like oh your creature's bigger in the middle of combat, and I'm you know like it's becoming bigger and kind of catching me off guard. So those we wanted at sorcery speed and then like, well, then these tokens should be also transforming probably at sorcery speed just to match, right? Like just in terms of like, they're, they're similar, similar conceptually and we should probably match those things. But then we found that there was just too much tension in like, uh, do I really want to like, I have this instant removal card or this instant combat trick. Am I going to need to use this on my opponent's turn? Like, can I afford to tap out now? Like it just, it wasn't that fun and like ultimately yeah, I, I kind of just made the call where like th these aren't complicated they're just like they're creatures with a number of counters on them that tell you how big they are and like um yes that means that like you could like maybe like some catch somebody a little bit off guard is like oh i didn't notice that you had that as a blocker but for the most part there weren't like they weren't providing the same sort of challenges in gameplay and i just I didn't like giving the, the tension of forcing people to decide ahead of time if they like how they wanted to spend their mana um, on those cards. And so that, that was really the main challenge. I mean, otherwise, right, ultimately there's a little bit of balancing just I think more for constructed really, but right, that these are these are resistant to sweepers or like at least, you know, creature sweepers. So, um, you know, that, that I think was a bit of a challenge for play design just in terms of like, I, I think in many ways that was just seen as a good thing, right? That you, you can, you can keep these in reserve for following a board wipe, um, and, and that, that provides some pretty fun, cool gameplay, but, um, that was certainly a consideration and otherwise, yeah, there, there weren't, there weren't any really big challenges beyond what I just talked about. So here's a question I'm getting, and I, I'm curious to get your take on this. A lot of people ask like, why can't we just get the the creature tokens? Why why are you making us pay two? Do you want to talk a little bit about like why there's good gameplay and you know making you have to transform it? Yeah, I mean, I'll, yeah, I mean, ultimately, a lot of that, some of that comes down to just rates, right? Like, if you were just immediately getting the tokens, then your your cards would not have as good a stats, or they would yeah cost more mana to cast, or like a this generally falls into a category of tokens that we make quite a bit and I think have been pretty successful with like dating back to like clues and you know like we have like we've made quite a few tokens that are like intended to like we're going to give you this you're going to get a token and it's going to you know it's if at any point later in the game you have like unspent mana and want to like spend that mana then like you can you can turn these on and so you're you're kind of getting things all at like better rates and then like later in the game if you don't have stuff to do with your mana you can you you, you will feel good about having something to do with your mana and then like there there's a whole lot of gameplay beyond that there is like because we're giving you a creature that's a token that's not a creature to begin with like it's like you're getting it at a pretty good rate if you want to use it for like sacrifice effects which we have a lot of in the set especially in the black red color pair where you can you can sacrifice it before you've even spent the mana to make it into a creature and then like you're you're, you're again you're, you're getting those tokens at a better rate 
for sacrifice effects and, and other types of synergies like that. Um, right? we, we also in this set wanted to care about transformation matters, which also then is something that we could play up here by like, since these are transforming, we can have cards that care about transformed cards and that the tokens play into that. And um, yeah, I mean, th there are a lot of little things like I guess the tokens could have entered with plus one, plus one counters, but the, those tokens have a lot of synergies within the set cards caring about counters and transformed cards and, and Phyrexians and all sorts of stuff. So, uh, Okay, so let's move on to Phyrexians. Let's get to uh, all the people of the multiverse defending the multiverse. Uh, so we wanted a, a couple of different ways to represent this. Um, so there are three main ways we did. Uh, first up is backup. Uh, so we, Ari, Ari, Ari Nee uh, made this mechanic, and um, we handed it over from Vision. But let's talk a little bit about what, like, you guys, you did a, there was a lot of maneuvering with the mechanic. I know it was a tricky mechanic to, to do. So talk a little bit about how did you make backup work? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, ultimately it didn't you know, change really a ton. Uh, a lot of it just came down to some of the rules nuance um, that I don't even know I'll be explaining all super well in some of the cases. But, right, like ultimately we we wanted, yeah, to grant all of the, the, the words that we were putting on the cards to other creatures. And then there became all sorts of like rules things of like, well, what happens if you give it like um, plus two plus two and flying like in response to it entering and like do we want it to be granting that and like you know what happens if I clone it and there were all sorts of cases in terms of like when we were looking at maybe we care about the printed words or whatever and like right like ultimately we ended up with an execution of saying like great you get you get all the words below <laughs> below the keyword um, but yeah like otherwise like it's you know, it's akin, it's like a simpler, I, like I've worked on Mutate, I've worked on Soulbond. It's like, it's, you know, kind of in that space. Like I, I love the idea of like being able to mix and match. Like it's it's really cool if you give your Death Toucher first strike. It's really cool if you give your Death Toucher trample. It's like right there. It, it, it is fun to pair together keywords. It's fun to pair together other abilities we put on the cards. And like, I, like I, I really enjoy that space. Like this was internally like one of the certainly one of the favorite limited mechanics internally was this um and and you know we, we tried to try our best to make some constructed shots as well as well with the mechanic um but yeah it, it like a, a lot of the cards did end up, did end up with like kind of low backup numbers i guess that was another thing in terms of balance like um but yeah yeah it, it Ultimately, right. Other than sorting out some of the rules stuff and exact ex execution there, like it, it was a pretty straightforward mechanic. Okay. Next up, uh, convoke. So we wanted to bring back a mechanic uh, that conveyed working together, uh, and convoke was the one that we chose. Um, so the interesting thing from set design is when you get a mechanic that we've used before, one of the things it's fun to do is like figure out what we haven't done with it. So you want to talk a little bit about how you found new space for Convoke? Yeah, well, like, there, there were just, like, a lot of cards that were, like, oh, like, you know, blues card drawing spells. We certainly have a couple variants on those. And just, yeah, like, the, right, like, blue, blue had not really touched the space. Um, like, yeah, anytime we have a mechanic like this, I really find, like, like, 
right? You're just going through like what what is going to be an interesting card design, right? Like what are some of the mechanics and some some make more sense to be including in a deck with creatures and others don't or like some sometimes they're just effects like even sometimes like a lot of the strongest blue card drawing is in decks that don't play creatures. So it's like, oh, like, you know, this this is a way where we can actually can incentivize creature decks to be playing with some of the like inspiration type effects that usually more often see play in like kind of creature light or creature less decks. Um, so yeah, it, it was just, it's just a fun exploration of like, yeah, we, we have tons of magic's history of like card designs to draw from and like, yeah, which ones are going to play fun or sound fun with Convoke. Um, right. Like for, for both blue and red, Right. We, we did have to figure out how we give them the right support. Like we made we made more blue token cards than we normally would. Um, and right, like we have, uh, yeah, like, a you know, like a, a two mana, like make two tokens um, card, which we've done in red before. And here like, oh, like this is going to make red and blue tokens so that like the tokens can actually help you cast convoke cards. So they're, they're little little things we did like that. Like, right, like certainly I was eyeing like, what are the colors of the tokens and the sets to make sure that those are also helping you cast your spells. Okay. Another thing we did to show teaming up <coughs> was the legendary team up cards. Um, so I know in vision, our original idea was to have cross planar things, but the creative people said, no, 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 that's not what's going on. Um, so, so what, what was the challenge of finding you know, within world team ups? Yeah, well, I guess the main challenge is like, so so for one, like these are just like hugely popular. Like every time I did a play test, people were like, these are, you know, these are the coolest, greatest things ever. And there were, there were certainly some that like, we immediately latched on some ideas like Fibble, Thip, and Borborygmos. I thought like, this, this is just like <laughs> hilarious, funny, like, you know, like you have like, you know, the, the similarities in terms of like, you know, the one-eyed thing. And, but then like, you also like, they're just so different. They're different. Like they're kind of enemy colors. They're like totally different in like philosophy and size. And it's like, you know, we're not going to find it like a ton that are like all this kind of like almost perfect in a, in a way in my mind, but just like, we, we knew like, like we, we could find, right. Like it was, it was about like, in my mind, like trying to find people that had like some sort of like yeah similarity like i was describing there but like also yeah like you know big big differences as well and then right i, I worked a ton with emily on right like like we, we kept trying out different areas of things and she she had goals from a creative and story side i had goals from like a mechanical side and just like where i felt like our players felt like you know i kind of like i know what's our strongest cards and like what people are gonna what sees the most playing commander and i sort of knew like so it was like a, a big balance and a big kind of like jigsaw puzzle of like, all right, well, like, you know, ultimately we're like, all right, we still don't really have one that's like, we still don't have a red white one or like a blue green one. And then like, I'd keep juggling things around and moving things around until like, I felt like we had like satisfying pairings for all 10 color pairs and for all, all five wedges, um, as we kept adding, adding more into the set. Um, and they didn't yeah, repeat worlds, right? Yeah, well, that was yeah, that was the hard part of the jigsaw puzzle. Is I wanted I wanted all of them to be from a different plane, um, and I all yeah, like then it's also and I also didn't really want to diverge at all if possible from like, right? Some characters had maybe been white, blue, and white, and right, like it, but 
like I, I wanted to make all the kind of the color pairs to make sense. Like I didn't want like if there was a white blue character, I didn't want to pair it with a blue character and have that be the white blue pair. Like I, I, yeah, I, I wanted to yeah, like it, it to really feel like yeah that you were getting something from each creature in terms of colors. Um, and then yeah, some of the mechanics didn't work. Like we we'd agreed on some, and it's just like I really can't come up with a design here that. It isn't just nonsense. Um, and it's like, can I, you know, can I try this instead? Um, so yeah, like it. Yeah, I, I think as a designer, they were just super fun to make, right? Like, you know, the whole, right? There are a lot of constraints here, and you, you know, I know you've talked about like how that breeds breeds yeah. creativity and whatnot. <laughs> but yeah, there was just like it's like all right, like this card does this and this, and like right, like what is like I have to mash these cards up. That is like the whole point. Like, how do I? mash these cards up in a like way that's like hopefully somewhat elegant or yeah like you know how elegant can we be in mashing them up um what is like what is the through line of like oh they both care about graveyards or they both care about some other aspect or how to yeah like or they don't really share anything and like how how do we combine right like the like we had i guess the pre-release card i'm thinking of an example where it's like this card cares about humans and that card cares about instance and sorceries and it's like oh like they could be like you know a whole bunch of snapcaster mages like i think i just popped into my head at some point and it's just like so a lot of it was just like how do you right like yeah you you definitely have a structure of expectations for these cards and like how do you how do you find the correct pairing of mechanics Um, it was a lot of fun to design them okay the final thing before we end for today um there are a lot of characters that we wanted to use because we had the whole multiverse to choose from, and there's only so many slots in the set, even teaming them up and putting two on one, there's only so many characters. So um, I think when we handed over, we've sort of said, hey, maybe we want to do a bonus sheet. The The suggestion we made when we handed it over was maybe all it would have all proper names. Like everything in it would be something that's hard to put in a normal bonus sheet because it references a specific thing from a specific place. Um, and you guys ended up doing uh, more legendary creatures, so similar but quite different. Talk about the making of the bonus sheet. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I feel like pretty early on, like, I mean, again, I, I'm a big fan of bonus sheets. I've been jealous that Yanni's been able to do them for like Strixhaven and Brothers of War. And it's like, all right, I got I to gotta get them this too. And like, I feel like pretty early I pitched to Aaron or someone. Yeah, like, I mean, I feel like Legends is a pretty good match here. Like, I mean... Like we, we could do planeswalkers, but it's like I've I've like I mean I've already sort of done that with like War of the Spark and like I don't know I think going from one event set to our next event set I didn't I didn't like yeah I didn't feel like it was appropriate to be doing planeswalkers here again really at all like I, like I think I can just do this with legends, um right like I, and, and legends are a good spot like I don't I don't know that we'd ever like I, I feel like there was some amount of like oh like we might want this for a commander product or something but at least for for a standard product, I didn't feel like we could. They're not. It would be hard to do a justification for it in the same way. Like we're we're showing all the multiverse. Like like if you're trying to stay in world, then like there's not going to be a set that's going to be able to do like a whole sheet of legends because most worlds can't support that. We're doing all the worlds. Like it, it just it made sense to be doing it here. Um, and then right then then it was like yeah about trying to narrow down and like like yeah just digging through again like what are what do people most want to see like yeah we only have so many slots trying to like find like what are the most popular commanders what are the most popular cards in general in magic that are legends like yeah what are what are which cards haven't gotten like cool treatments yet which cards yeah like right like like just what wants to be here i mean i i was surprised by like 
how many characters have actually like died off in our storyline. Like there, there are a lot of like, oh, this card would be perfect. It's like, no, they died or like this, you know, and, and then, you know, there's other stuff that's just off limit. Like I wasn't going to do like Eldrazi here or whatever. Like there, there were just, there were a surprising number of cards that were like hard to do because, um, yeah, they, they just didn't make sense to be here or, um, yeah, the, yeah, just the weren't, rule, weren't the, in the correct timeline, basically. The the rule was that they had to fight in this fight, right? That, so, like, yeah. they had to be alive, they had to be the right timeline, that, you know, they had to be participating in this fight, and so that had more restrictions than we thought it did, I know, starting out. Right, but yeah, like, yeah, as you're saying, yeah, like, I, I, it was important to me, like, yeah, that just, like, we, we could show them all, like, legitimately, you know, th- this would be them participating in the war, showing, showing a whole bunch of characters, like, that are a part of the war, um, and like we we did get pretty cool Phyrexian creature options as well, um, and including their original, the original um, Praetors. Okay, so um, we're almost almost out of time. Any last thoughts on the making of March of the Machines? Um, no. I mean, it, it it was a lot of fun to do. I mean, I I've been super happy to see the reception so far. Like there there's always stuff like you do stuff like a new card type like battle, and it's like. Definitely, there's always like doubts in the back of your mind, and it's yeah, it's just it's been really reassuring to see the the reaction so far has been really overwhelmingly like I don't know, great to read. Like I, I'm excited to see how excited people are and how well they think we've done. So um, now I get to see yeah, now I'm eager to see how it all plays out. But uh, yeah, I've been really happy with the reception so far. Well, I want to thank you for being with us. It's fun talking. About, I had a lot of fun myself with the March of the Machine. It was definitely it was a daunting task when we began it because the scope is so big but it really turned out great and and i'm as always i, I always love when i hand over sets to you and you make them better so it's it's, it's always uh, I, i'm excited to see what you do uh to make the set the best it can be so thanks for that dave yeah thank you and everybody else i'm at my desk so we all know what that means it means it's the end of my drive to work so instead of talking magic it's time for me to be making magic so i'll see you guys all next time and thank you dave for joining us bye-bye yeah thanks